I'm throwing my fairly conservative mom, 59, a bachelorette party. I need some ideas to keep it fun, but also tasteful. My mom is getting remarried after about 40 years of marriage to my dad. I'm so happy for her, and I told her I would throw her a bachelorette party. I think she's excited about the idea, but also nervous and is worried about being too awkward. It'll just be me, my sister, and her, and we're fairly close, but we don't often talk about sex and never really have. Anyone have any ideas on how to make this both fun and tasteful? This is from Reddit user, Where is my Starship? Okay. Well, thank you so much for writing that question. I am so happy for you and your mom. And it's just so sweet to to hear that, you know, you're so invested in and excited about throwing her a party that mm-hmm. she'll be able to remember and we'll kind of kick off that, you know, the festivities of her getting remarried. Um, I think the most important thing that I want to say is since it is, especially since it's just your sister, you and your mom, you can really cater the activities um, and the taste level, as you said, to what you know that you guys like. I would resist any any feeling of pressure to make it sexual, because especially in this family context, um, that's intimate, but yeah. but not necessarily that open in that topic. It might just feel unnatural to do something like that. Um it you know she's she's already had like the first marriage and maybe a bachelorette party from that i i don't i would be shocked if she was expecting some kind of sex extravaganza right <laughs> um so i would think about i would lean into thinking about why is this so special for her um and and what is kind of the send off and your well wishes that you want to offer her during this time um, consider what are the things that you know about her and love about her. And you could even come up with sort of a theme around uh, that. So maybe one of her favorite animals or favorite things, you know, just something that's like a cute little intimate detail that you know about her that is special, but doesn't have to be racy or anything. Um, and just shows that you care and creates that environment of celebration that what would that be for you if uh you've been married for 40 years starting at 19 you're 59 now oh wow that's a good question i know it's a lot of hypotheticals for you to process there but you have a favorite animal at least you could probably a rabbit yeah Yeah. okay so what would be a rabbit rabbit is like you know has a little bit of a like sort of saucy sexual connotation playboy Playboy bunnies yeah fucking like rabbits yes yeah carrots or dick like carrots or dick like (laughs) So that's, I mean, that's kind of like a cute, campy way you could lean into um, coming up with like the the little like like little props or something if you want to do that, go that route. Um, Having having recently been to not very recently, not like during COVID or anything, but in the semi recent history, been to a few friends bachelorette parties. Um, They were all really different and what made each of them great was really just getting to be there with the people we were celebrating with and being together and centering it around them and, and helping them to feel special. And so whether it was going to a strip club in Montreal or um, just going down South to North Carolina to hang out at a goat farm, like very different <laughs> Um, 
not that either of those were like the central theme of the bachelorette parties, but different activities, different tones. And it was really catered to um, the personality of the of the bride to be. So use your mom as the inspiration and come up with those little details, I think, that will make her feel really like seen by you. Yes. Uh, great advice. Thanks. Uh, I think the original reason for a bachelor or bachelorette party is to uh, give a one last hurrah to whatever the person is giving up. So maybe start with what is this new husband? She She's marrying a new person, right? I suppose. Um, what do they not enjoy doing? Or what is it going to be harder <laughs> to do with them around? What's like the type of activity? Maybe they hate shopping and you guys love shopping. I mean, that may be stereotypical, but it's just a guess. Um, maybe they, they're a hunter and you guys want to go to the zoo. You're never too old to go to the zoo. Uh, <laughs> we learned that last week. <laughs> maybe they can't swim and you guys like to fish. Uh, just whatever like you cherish. or I, I'd look back through your memories of... What are some positive memories make her feel proud about, you know, oh, that that's like really made an impact on her that we did that thing when she was eight. Do like a, a grown up version where you're no longer just along for the ride on that, but can uh, steer the ship a little bit if you are to go fishing or something like that. Um, yeah. Start with whatever this guy doesn't like or whatever would be harder <laughs> to do with him there. I think that's the, I love that idea. Right. Isn't that why yeah. there are strippers traditionally at. Bachelor, right. bachelorette parties is like, this right. is the thing that if because they, once you tie that knot, they're not going to like you doing this all the time. <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> um, at one of the bachelorette parties I went to, they had like a sign that was basically like one penis forever now or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's the idea of like, okay, now you're like settled, you're like saddled to this genitalia for the rest of your life. Um, obviously. So it's. Let's tempt you as much. Let's let's give you the most you convincing just get it out argument. Of your system. You just get it out of your system. Okay. I think it, it, yeah. I think that's what it's more about. Does, does that? Do you think that works that way though? Or no? Of course not. Yeah. It seems like it's kind of a backward. Like maybe it's a test. Maybe it's if you make it through this <laughs> and you still want to get married, then go ahead and do it. Um, Let us make the argument for you being single first. Um, w one of the things I wanted to say sort of tacking mm -hmm. on to what are the things that are just going to be more difficult or maybe you won't be able to do um, at all once you're married so orienting it towards that so what what does and this may require talking to your mom about it but like what does singlehood represent for her and what did this period before marrying this new guy um, mean for her and maybe it's Maybe it is kind of saying goodbye to some of like what is painful about being single or some of um, what is annoying about being single. And you can kind of celebrate putting those things to bed. Not mm. I mean, it it's a cute idea. But like I then I also as I'm saying that I'm thinking like there there is so much independence and, you know, selfhood that remains like in partnership. And obviously the 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 type of relationship that your mom has with her current fiance assuming that's the structure um you know it, it probably not a whole lot is going to change with her status going from engaged to married um but yeah find finding finding maybe what are the things that are like those little just like 
uh, you can even use your own experience of being single to inform this like and it can be more of kind of like the cliches of being single mm-hmm. um, to some extent. But I think at the end of the day, your mom's going to appreciate whatever you do. And um, you can just also go into it as a party for you to enjoy as well. I like this idea of uh, reminders of why it sucks to be single. <laughs> Specifically, you could take the skills of this fiance, let's call him Barry or something. Um <laughs> If Barry's very handy, you could like manufacture, oh, look at this, this cabinet door won't close. Uh, Take like a jar of pickles and super glue them shut and be like, give me a pickle. No one can open the pickle jar. Man, if only Barry was here. Just like a series of little planted prank, just difficulties in life that, that you know that Barry would be able to easily solve. That could be a way to make her look forward to the marriage and. Yeah. Anticipate that. Yeah. And get a ladder and put it somewhere really high. Mm-hmm. Unless Barry's high super thing. short. Unless Barry's super short. You really, we'd need more information about Barry to customize <laughs> this, but I think we're giving you a good example of what type of thinking to use, at least. What, what's the methodology here? Yeah. So um, the other thing is like the type of thinking, too, is you want it to be fun. And so having like a playful mindset, but not necessarily like a sexual mindset um, in thinking about how you can celebrate. And there are tons of, um, like bachelorette party style kind of games that you can play, um, that, that aren't necessarily sexual. Um, a, a, a popular game that, uh, has been played at, I think every bachelorette party I've what? been to, which we played at my birthday fishbowl. Oh, okay. Um, so fishbowl is basically, uh, everyone writes on like little pieces of paper, um, something that like has to do with your mom. Um, some like it could be, uh, an inside joke. It could be a person in her life. It could be uh, a particular place, you know, sort of proper noun ish, like one concept. And then you put it in the bowl. Pepsi. If you have a particularly like fond memory of your mom, she just always drinks Pepsi. Pepsi. Uh She always drinks Pepsi. Pepsi goes in the bowl. Um, and not the drink, but a, a piece of paper with, <laughs> yeah, you just coat the whole thing in sticky. No. Mm-mm. Um, and then each person, uh, oh no, there needs to be teams. It's just going to be the three of them. They can't play. Ooh. Ooh. How did we do it? We did. There are only four of us. How did we do it? Yeah. Uh, we had to kind of do an honor system. Oh, we did like how many can each person guess in. Yeah, and, and you don't say it if you're the one. If you think yeah. it's something that you wrote, you this don't guess it. It's too complicated. It. So it's a little, honestly, guys. Let's just cut this part. <laughs> I, uh, no, this is staining because I want to speak out against Fishbowl. I'm glad that we had a good time and any game would be fun with you, Morgan, in the group that you oh, assembled. Thanks. But I think you can do better than Fishbowl. Um, you can just do charades. I think the having to be there for all rounds and people can't join late, it's just... There's only three of them. It's, it's an overrated game, this <laughs> this fishbowl game. Uh, it really is. So, yeah. Uh, if you're looking for games... Ooh. I know, it's tough to... Ju- That's why I thought of fishbowl, because I was like, I don't know, I can't think of any other games on top of my head. I'm getting really hot right you now. Really? Just I feel the pressure is on. <laughs> okay. I feel the pressure okay. that you're under of like trying to come up with something fun, tasteful yeah. on the fly. Yeah. Um... You just go to dinner and have, you know, if she's got favorite games or if you have games that you played as kids that maybe you're big Django family or maybe <laughs> big on Clue or, uh, you know, you know what you know. Um, revisit any of those classics or just have it as an option, I guess. But uh, 
Yeah. Um, you don't need to have a game. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could also write like, write up like a little speech or just say nice things about your mom and ask your sister to do the same. Um, and just keep it heartfelt and keep it authentic to you guys. It doesn't have to be like some big fancy production, um, to fulfill some idea of what a bachelorette party should be. I like the idea of some minor novelty decoration being penis themed. Okay. It doesn't, not something that you have to like uh, pin the, the dick on the donkey or some like, you know, they have that those old classic. They have a lot of like remaking a game with a penis, I think for bachelorette parties in the mm. novelty section of Spencer's gifts. But like, just if they're crazy straws that are, that have a, a dick shaped into them, I think it could be, just with a straight face, don't draw too much attention to it. Just make nice drinks and have those. Or like some other minor, and then if questioned about it, you can just be like, "Well, it's a bachelorette party." And just yeah, you just say it's a be... cocktail, and you just slam <laughs> it down funny. in front of her. That's funny. I've never heard that. Yeah. <sighs> well, good luck. Good luck. Where's you my starship? Um, I hope you find your starship and a <laughs> good time with your mom. All right, let's do it. Here is free advice. Free advice. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 60 Holy of the Free Advice Podcast. Shit. What, are you surprised we made it? I don't know. No, I'm not surprised we made it. It's just I'm like, not. what a nice even number that is. 60. 60. You remember that uh, Saturday Night Live sketch where it could be Molly Shannon goes, I'm 50. And then she kicks. She goes, I can kick. I can strut. I can stretch. Uh, she's like a proud, proud of her age woman. That's cool. Yeah. Um, our listeners will understand and appreciate that reference. Sure. Uh, how are you, Morgan? Do you need any ad- advice? No, I'm good. <laughs> okay. I was going to say that's Rob Zaleski. <laughs> it is. It's me. It still is. Um, and I'm Morgan Beard. Mm-hmm. Um, do I have any advice? Um, well, um, you know what? Before we get into it, I would love to hear that response that we got from uh, one of our question askers Botanic last week. Botanic angel. Yeah. Botanic angel. So think of like a, a peace lily sprouting wings above a bud. Looks like a little angel. Um, yeah. Well, if you remember from last week, if you weren't there, that's okay. I'll recap it for you. Botanic angel came across... One of her favorite video game characters in a compromising fan fiction art situation that was pornographic. It was not tasteful and fun. It was not tasteful and fun. <laughs> Didn't leave much to the imagination. Um, a little further research, I found out this was a character from Silent Hill 3, which is a horror video game. So um, character's already in danger, has to use a lot of bravery, but there's no um, graphic sexuality in that game, just violence and gore. Um We got a response from Botanic Angel. She said, it actually wasn't a drawing. It was an animation Mm. where they literally took the character model from the game and, you know. So you can see why that scarred me, lol. I know this whole thing sounds silly, but the character means a lot to me because I kind of adopted a piece of her personality to get through a really rough time in my life. So seeing that stupid graphic animation was just like, 
what the fuck? <laughs> like walking in on a family member. Oof. Not that that's happened to me, but you get it. I do appreciate the free advice. Morgan perfectly summed up what I was feeling. I loved the advice you both gave. Thank you for covering this. Much love to you both. Heart. Thank you so much, Botanic Angel. We really appreciate your response and glad that we could give you advice on something where it just felt sort of shocking and disorienting and yeah. Icky even. Icky even. Yeah. yeah. And thanks for writing us back. We really appreciate hearing your feedback. Yeah, it's awesome to hear from our listeners. We love it. It is. All right. Um, I have a request for advice. Shoot. What do I do at the end of a piece of art that I've formed a relationship with? Say you're ending a book. In this case, it's a TV show for me. This German television show, Dark, which I've just been obsessed with this last week. Mm-hmm. It's coming to an end. I've got three episodes left. I've watched like 25 of them or something. What do I do at the end of it when there's that hole? I miss miss my show. Do I just try and find the closest possible thing and then continue binging? Do I, what, what do you do? That's such a good question. And Thank I you. feel like, uh, yeah, it's... It's Never that. watch the last episode so I can always <laughs> keep hold on to what might be. That's one option. Have you ever done that? No. <laughs> okay. Um, I yeah, honestly, I don't like I don't make it all the way through a lot of shows, so I don't what encounter about books? this that do you often. Ever, do, you, do you ever just miss mm. a world, miss characters, miss? Um, I think with books, it's kind of superseded by that sense of accomplishment that mm. comes from just having actually finished <laughs> the book. I read a book, everybody. <laughs> I did it, and you slap the cover closed. It's like. I did this. You did, yeah, That's hit right. it on the table. Um, Bam. Yeah, and maybe with TV shows because it's a more something you engage with more passively, passively. and then the screen just you don't engage passively with dark. <laughs> <laughs> well, excuse me then. Maybe The Bachelor or Love Island you engage passively, but not with dark. <laughs> um. Okay. So, anyway, what I was gonna say. <laughs> was it's something like tv you know you're watching it you're watching it watching it and then it's like boom it's over it like it just goes black like it feels like it left you versus like when you finish a book Uh, you close it and put it down Mm -hmm. um and so i feel like there's maybe it's almost like triggering of like a like a an abandonment thing of like oh now this thing that i was so invested in is just like gone um And then you're just kind of like sitting there on the couch with popcorn in your lap. Like, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the the right answer is to try to just dive into something similar and be chasing that dark high um, or Mm -hmm. to maybe pursue something that's radically different. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's kind of similar to the question of like, what do you do like after a breakup? You know, do yeah. you do you get right back out there and try to like rebound and like you try to fuck someone hot? Do you try to have a uh, relationship that's like very similar to the last one and just be like, well, I'll just it'll basically just be Henry, but I'll have corrected this, this and this mistakes and <laughs> not, I'll just close my eyes and nothing will have changed and I'll be like, I'm still watching Dark. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It kind of kind of depends on how you feel. Like how how did you feel? When you, or you have three episodes left, right? Three episodes left. Okay. Um, oh, how are you spooked. feeling now? Very, very uh, tense and, mm. and on edge and uh, just got to know. I got to know what happens. 
yeah um intrigued okay he said it's horror uh it's definitely spooky Spooky. i don't know if it's directly it's more thriller Mm, than horror mm, mm. yeah so you could look up like other uh types of like thrillers you know a thriller series on netflix have you ever watched american horror story no that could be something to try i mean it's not gonna be the same thing i think Mm. that's i think that's the best advice that I can give now that I've really like now that I've spit out a bunch of crap. I can really get down yeah. to like what I actually want to say, which like sometimes wait, happens. Wait for the nugget. I knew. Yeah. <laughs> um. I think savor the last three episodes. Yeah. Know how much tonight. you're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> no way. I'm making it to tomorrow, not having seen them. <laughs> I didn't say don't watch them. I said savor them. Yeah. Because you know how much, like the part of the excitement of it is just the anticipation or even in now thinking about them, right? So savor yeah, this experience. Yeah. Savor when you actually do watch them. Savor the like roller coaster ride of like the plot points unfolding. And then let yourself be in the space after that unfolds um, and know that you enjoyed it to the best extent that you possibly could. Um, and I don't know. I lost the track of the last little, like the tail end of the thing I was going to say, but I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's, it sucks when something you were like really engrossed in ends and then you have to decide, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to put my time into. And if it's an, if it's starting a new show, you're not going to immediately be as engrossed as you were. Yeah. That's another problem of like when a relationship ends. Like, I think I'll take a break from yeah from show. I won't try and immediately slot something into that schedule. I'd like to break mm. the the pattern of um, obsessing over this thing and mm. you know uh, make something do, do, do feel something different and then have uh, I can always rewatch it. A lot of people rewatch this show because it's so deep and complex. Oh shit! You did. You recommended it to me. I thought about starting it the other night, and then I just didn't. It's tough. I don't know if you'd understand it. Oh, I don't know if I do. (laughs) So if I can understand it, imagine what you'd be like (laughs) coming from The Bachelor. (laughs) No subtitles necessary on The Bachelor. Um. Yeah, I feel like Uh, you don't even have to speak English to watch that show. (laughs) Um. Yeah. So, well, you could you could live vicariously through me as I watch it, but no, don't hold your don't hold your breath I'm on right. that. Okay. Yeah. Did, but I will let you know if don't I start. Don't need to appease me on that. Yeah. Okay. This has been good advice. I think I know what to do. Is just prep myself uh, to be attentive and um, take breaks between the episodes and let things sink mm. in. And not rush. I don't need to rush through it. Yeah. I, I get caught up in the hype of a of a release. Mm. cultural phenomena even though i don't know anybody else is watching and i like to read the <laughs> excitement of people on reddit yeah. who are doing yeah. it. it's almost yeah. as fun as watching the show is after the episode reading the discussions yeah. to me so that's yeah. gonna be great that'll be you great you can dive right into oh, that yeah. i can start reading the stuff that's uh interpreting the series as a whole instead of just episode by episode yeah i, could, I definitely will be reading that stuff yeah right when i'm done with it um okay thank you mm-hmm that good advice let's uh what do you say go back to our our questioners let's do it. our non-host advisees <laughs> all right i got one here from stripey kiwi mm. how to start enjoying and listening to music i rarely listen to music on my own it's not something too special for me everyone seems to love music though 
how to start enjoying it and listening to it regularly? I love this question. Um, Cause I think that it's like you said, everyone, everyone loves music and like talks about it all the time. And you know, anytime you ask someone like, Oh, what, what do you enjoy doing? And often the answer is like, well, I love this. I love music. I love like listening to music. And uh, I mean, I'm one of those people, of course, like it's not a snooty thing. It's, it's a pretty universal thing. Yeah. It's pretty basic sensory pleasure. Yeah. And so I think that one avenue into it Um, which is a lens that I try on sometimes if I'm in a situation like at a party where maybe I'm, I don't feel like I fit in with the people or whatever. Sometimes I just approach something like I'm an anthropologist and Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to understand, okay, what, what is the appeal of this cultural phenomenon (laughs) to other Mm -hmm. people that aren't me? Um, And you can kind of try on that identity and, as you're look, listening to whatever music, start wherever. There's there's no right or wrong answer. There's so much music out right there. Answer. Hmm? I've got a right answer. Oh. Whatever you're already familiar with. Okay. Whatever okay. you have associations with, like if you have a favorite movie, the soundtrack mm. to that movie, maybe you already link it to the moments of... Oh, brilliant. Right, right. I love that. So listen to that, that starter point. I love Mm -hmm. the idea of familiarity too is so great because especially um, like with music, our our brains love familiarity and repetition. And so, you know, there's kind of that curve that we go through when we listen Mm -hmm. to music where it's like once when something's kind of new, we might be like, oh, maybe I like this. But then you listen to it again and you're kind of like oh now i'm a little bit familiar with it but it's still kind of new and you reach that that curve of enjoyment where it's like that maximum point where it's like the right balance of i know this i like know right. all the words but it's still kind of like exciting and new and then it kind of falls off and then maybe you rediscover it years later or whatever um but listen to it and just see if you can make a list even of like what's enjoyable about it for you what what could you theoretically um be enjoying about it what is the aural like experience of it how many different sounds can you hear um all these different questions and and avenues through which to explore like what is the sensory experience i'm having right now um versus just kind of like pushing play on a song doing something else thinking about whatever really like take that three minutes or whatever the length of the song is and just Practice immersing yourself 100% in the world that the artist created. Um, I'd recommend closing your eyes. You could sit, you could stand, you could like see how it makes your body move. Yeah, moving your body to it, I think, is a great way to enjoy it. Even if it's just tapping your toe or bobbing your head, could be moving your hips, it could be the whole body or just a piece of it. But um, letting it move you, letting it kind of like surrendering to it, letting it be mm. your guide and, and following its rhythm is a, a pleasurable thing that many people enjoy about music. Um, yeah. I think prediction is the big uh, gratifying thing most people get out of music is when it's just predictable enough. Mm. There's still new things to discover, but mostly uh, you get that satisfying feeling of expecting something and then it happening mm. how you expect it. And that's why like, people like a certain genre of music is because they've heard it enough to understand the conventions and to know like, all right, if, if that chord was played, it's probably going to go back to that original, like Mm -hmm. the one chord or, um, 
rhythms like, okay, it's about time for the chorus. You're going to hear the part that repeats. Um, I'm going to play a little game with Morgan right now to see if this is satisfying. I'm going to uh, do something musically and then you just, you know, fill in what you think comes next based on okay. our shared knowledge of, of music that we've both heard. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. I can feel it. Oh, so gratifying. I got chills. I got little, little, you see those? And my hair is slightly on end. Okay. Yeah. It's not a lot, but. What a big reveal. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Can you see that? (laughs) Um, Yeah, because there was a little bit of mystery. Is she going to know? Am I going to do it the right way? Is she going to? But you did. And um, I know I got a little nervous myself. It's familiar. I knew you had it though. I knew you had it in you. It's that familiarity, and uh, so released. Yeah, pick a sh- listen to something over and over again while you're doing uh, household chores or driving or whatever it is, and um, you'll start to like it more. That's they have to yeah. pay DJs to play hits initially, often um, because people need to hear it a couple times before they start to want to hear it again. Yeah. Um... I have an unrelated game. What? Um, you could ask a handful of people what is their favorite song. And then as you're listening to it, do all the things that we talked about of like really trying to immerse yourself in it, um, listen to the different sounds, move your body. But then you can also kind of play the psychological game of like, why do I think that this person is particularly drawn to this type of music or this song or this, you know, is it the lyrics? Is it the rhythm? Oh, yeah. Um it's just, I guess it's just another kind of angle through which you can try to, um, try to appreciate the art form. Um, for, cause if you're someone who kind of doesn't feel like listening to music is inherently that special, um, of an activity, then, you know, maybe you're kind of like listening to music that everyone else is hearing and they're like, wow, this is, I'm so into this. Holy shit. And mm-hmm. you're kind of like, eh. um, having those added little facets to like give you a, a, a way that's more interesting to maybe go deeper into it. Um, I'm trying to think what else would I say? I, I mean, all those things, but then like part of me wants to say, don't do any of those things and just be, like just some people let yourself don't really like listen. music. Uh, this is something I learned in a psychology class that most of the time people hide this, but mm. something like five to ten percent of people just don't really enjoy it. Hmm. Um, I don't know what that has to do That's with exactly. Sensitive. I've heard that music is the joy of counting. Um, hmm. Could be some a very small number of people are have no sense of pitch. And like, don't really distinguish between different pitches, hmm. but that's um, a super small number. I don't think that that's you. Um, but there's a, a decent number. Uh, we mm-hmm. both know people who just don't enjoy music very much. Yeah. Um, sometimes I wonder if it's a, a disconnection from the body, if it's a mm. people who uh, are living very much in their heads and not paying attention to the signals of their bodies, you don't feel that connection between what goes in their ears and then like their feet tapping. But if you can tap your foot along to a song or clap along, snap along, then uh, you probably have the right equipment to enjoy music. It just maybe isn't something that you've gotten into yet. Yeah. Or maybe you haven't spent enough time figuring out what kind of music do I actually like? Like yeah. what actually I think you can like any kind me. of music, though. 
Totally. You know what would be a great genre to start with? What? World music. I feel like I, I love <laughs> yeah. I love world music because I feel like it's kind of like human music. Like it's very like mm. primal. It's got this like sort of natural elements to it and it almost is like listening to nature if 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 nature really had like voices i mean it does it does like birds that's music wind through the sure. trees that's music so maybe it's even broadening your definition of what is music like what is musical um and also trying to get comfortable with or just playing with the idea of like what kind of music can i make like if i'm sitting at a table can i like create a drum beat you know you you might not fall into it that easily because this is something that you know it comes i've practiced that yeah before we started recording i was like all right well all right what am i gonna do 60 episodes in it's time my debut but that's the thing it's like you don't get to a point where you can like make rhythm unless you let yourself play and let yourself fail and let it not sound good make shitty music to start um but maybe maybe also maybe another avenue in for you is is taking on the creator role maybe that would make it more interesting than just being a passive listener singing along to songs is is a big like find a song you like play it twice second time try and sing along to the parts that you can remember you don't need to get the words right just like trying to sing the melody or getting the general energy at that point in the song right I mean, this is my favorite activity of all time. That'll help you enjoy it more. It's like more of those mirror neurons firing. It'd be like watching a basketball game and you doing the, <laughs> so the, the jump shot <laughs> maneuver as you watch the player doing it. Like it'll make it more enjoyable to yeah. appreciate somebody else doing it. It's like um, virtual reality. I think another going off of what you said about world music, a good starting point is just pick any kind of culture that you think is cool mm. that you'd like to um you know, maybe it's biker culture. Maybe it's uh, fishermen. I don't know why I'm <laughs> fishing today. <laughs> maybe you know what I mean. Like maybe it's a time period. Mm. Um, maybe there's food associated with it, or a certain art and an aesthetic that you like, and play that music as part of a uh, like a, a night that's themed around that, or an event with friends, and. Um, I think you'll like that. Like, I like uh, piano solo jazz with tea late at night. There's just something like dim lights and tea and then quietly in the background, maybe like with the window open so I can hear what's happening outside too. Something about that is very uh, calming to me. I don't want to listen to that all the time, but it's like it's helping create that moment that makes me feel just a little bit like sophisticated and reflective. Um, When you said that, it reminded me of this time that um i played settlers of Catan with yes. someone and we were like wouldn't it be like such a fun little immersive added oh, element no. to do? find music like that's like Gregorian instrumental music chance? from the middle ages <laughs> just like play it in the background yeah, it was fun yeah it was cute it wasn't like, like my my jam all of a sudden i wasn't like dee, 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 like playing like lute music <laughs> but it it added a fun element it really did like create an environment and that's like what yes. music has a lot of power to do. Yeah, it can transport you to a world that has other associations with it. Yeah. I've done that with scary music with uh, Werewolf playing Ooh. like Halloween style Ooh. soundtracks, horror soundtracks. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty good. It's tense. Yeah. Um, cool. Okay. There, that's yeah. good enough on that question. Yeah, I, I love it. I think, we got, I think we gave great suggestions. And I think people who already love music will also 
maybe that. try some of those things yeah, out to change sure. deep in their relationship with music. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for asking that question. Yes. Okay. Now we got one from Ross Howie's Ross Howie's on one. Ross Howie's on one. Here Ross Howie's on one. <laughs> I love the names. It's like trying to like put a puzzle together. Like I got one last week wrong. The small L uppercase I. Ross Howison one. I think Howison is Mm -hmm. the last name and first name is Ross. So we have this person's real name here. Wow. I work in Subway and I nearly called a customer darling today. It felt like a darling moment. Is this okay or totally off the table? I'm an 18 year old male, by the way. Mm. And if this is the wrong sub, can someone direct me? to the right one okay um i don't really love being called like terms of endearment like that um by well by someone i don't know but also potentially by someone i do know what if it's a child if we considered that this could be an adorable little girl that he was going to say here you go darling I don't know. I think I think best practice or you know what it's I'm glad that you paused and thought about okay what would this be like before you just like blurted it out. It would not be the worst mistake in the world. Like it's been made. This mistake has been made. Yes. Um and it and there, it's not a blanket thing of like this would always be a mistake. But I do think that given the climate right now in terms of gender um the gender climate the gender climate yeah <laughs> um as a gender male climate change is real. It's just a, <laughs> i hope so i hope some tides is, are turning um but yeah i do think like as a male potentially to a female customer it might it really might not be appropriate but it's gonna because it's gonna co- depend entirely on how that person receives it it's a gamble I think is really all I can say. And like, I do think a lot of people have what the association I have with it. That's kind of like, Ooh, like just a little bit like, I don't want to be called honey, darling, sweetie, whatever sugar by an old woman, by a young man. I, I think Mm -hmm. it's best practice is refrain, but it's sweet that you saw a moment that you felt like was darling and wanted to like, reflect that in some way but it, it might not be the most appropriate setting for it i wish that i wish that wasn't my answer I, I i don't want that to be my answer but it's okay what do you think um it might be okay i could imagine scenarios where it's okay mm-hmm. um i think the risk reward here just says never do it because <laughs> <laughs> right you have a chance of being wrong Mm-hmm. Um, and the consequences of being wrong could be high. Yeah, the, you could the, lose your job potentially. The, the threat of what happens if you're wrong. I guess if you're right, maybe you fall in love with this person, and it, <laughs> the rest of your life is. I feel like best case scenario, better. realistically, they smile at you. Worst yeah. case scenario, you get fired. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you want to uh, look at the interaction up until this point. If you're using it to try to win somebody over who's already against you, that's not going to be good. If if things are really good and sweet in between the two of you and this person just has uh, gumdrop dimples and I, I think it might be just the cherry on top to say darling <laughs> here's your receipt darling and smile and go about if you if you're trying to be sexy with it probably shouldn't do that um <laughs> rely on nonverbals if you're if you're trying to hint flirtatiously you could you know 
Wink. What do you think about is a wink ever okay? <laughs> I don't love being winked at. I mean, I think again, I love like it. <laughs> my favorite thing. There is I think there is an okay way to do anything. Yeah. Really. There's a way to do anything. But as Rob said, it, the risk reward of this picture is just it doesn't economic the economics it just doesn't work it doesn't add up it doesn't work um and i i it's hard because if i walked into a subway and the subway worker was cute maybe i would want them to flirt with me or call me darling or something but my reaction depends on if I'm attracted to them, to, to some kind of flirtatious advance. Mm-hmm. And you can't predict that, even if you think you're reading the signals correct. And that's why the gender climate like thing is important. like a darling moment. It makes me think this person says darling regularly without thinking about it, that it's a habitual turn of phrase where they are. Maybe. And, um, if Maybe it, this is the first did... darling moment they've ever experienced. I, did, I, I, I don't think I don't... you'd know with such certainty unless you tested the waters for a while. It doesn't sound like they knew because they didn't end up using it. They kind of hesitated. They nearly did it. I figured mm. it almost slipped out. I think if it had slipped out and you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. I just came from home and always call my siblings darling or something like that would kind of like yeah. be endearing. Yeah. yeah. So maybe what's another way that you could be endearing without any like expectation of anything being reciprocated like i like what, what you said about handing mean? the hmm? what does darling mean i don't know like the origin of the word yeah one who darls <laughs> i know darl small... from um as i lay dying that faulkner book like the main character's name darl <laughs> darling <laughs> That's a weird name D- darling a little darl a little dar <laughs> <laughs> I think this conversation is proving that it the one of the reasons that you shouldn't probably do it is because there's sort of a diminutive ling means like it's a little thing. It, it's like et or mm. ito in uh, Spanish. Mm-hmm. It's like tiny. Yeah. So like tiny dar. You have the potential to make this person feel kind of small or you know feminized or just you're 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 putting them in a box they may not want to be put in. I think that's the danger in a situation where you're mm-hmm. the employee serving a client. Um, so I th- I think it's just best to avoid. But that all being said, if you feel like using the word darling more often to spice up your linguistic, you know, uh, repertoire, try. Try planning it on friends first. Just see how other, see how people you're oh, familiar I think they, with. They use darling a lot in non-professional. Well, that's our settings. big, that's our big contention point because I think this is like a. I'm, I'm feeling into this world, and no you think that, that they are, are an expert. Are, are okay, so we want to know. We want to know. Do you use the word darling <laughs> like sure. frequently to describe things, or is this kind of like new territory? Um, but yeah, I would say like yeah. Try, and what does try it mean it to you? And what, what does it mean to you? How would synonyms? it feel? How would it feel for someone to call you darling? Like yeah. that's another thing to try to try on any of these. What's what's the class of people that you're willing to call darling and how does someone uh get out of that class in your book? Yeah, mm. does darling apply to you? Is it only cute women that you would date? Is it children? Is it older is ladies? It old people? <laughs> older ladies might be more open to being called darling. They're- that is true. Um so there are just so many variables mm-hmm. to consider and 
and not knowing what that person's personal preferences are or how they're going to react just it just makes it too risky yeah i hate saying a no i, I hate to deliver a can no. we give an alternative please of, uh please, something yes. uh, say that it's one of those subways with the uh hershey's ice cream add-on to it you know you get one side is sandwiches the other side is ice cream oh it just i didn't know that two I they just had cookies. cups of they do have cookies. I mean, the, Subway, your cookies are delicious. A lot of Subways also have this ice cream okay. uh, portion. Didn't know that. Just gave them two scoops of ice cream. They want to do something a little extra special to make that customer just feel noticed and appreciated. Can you, are there any nicknames that are okay to give people? Champ? Bucko? <laughs> <laughs> Fucko, as Rob calls me sometimes. <laughs> I do sometimes. Um, yeah, I would stay out of nickname territory because it just, again, it like puts someone in a box. Mm. Man, can't box each other. What if you ask the person what kind of nickname they like? Say, I'm willing to call you a nickname. <laughs> you slide them a piece of paper. <laughs> how's pal (laughs) write down your preferred nickname and i will remember it yeah i don't know if the interaction is that much um, that many legs mustang okay mustang (laughs) you can do a little on their way out she just winked and shot a finger gun yeah i think that's much more threatening because you're you're showing that person a firearm like i'm gonna (laughs) shoot you afterwards Yeah. yeah. Um I I love Don't finger load guns. The finger though. guns. <laughs> Cock it. <laughs> Keep your finger guns on safety. Yeah. Um yeah. I want to I just want to encourage the uh attempt to humanize the very sterile yeah. interactions that come with a lot of uh, transactions. If if you want to do that, if you want to make your subway a place where it feels a little bit more like you know the customer, they can be friendly with you, talk to you about something re- unrelated to the sandwich. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good impulse, I think, and the world could do with more of that. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you can be creative and find a way to, uh, do it in a way that doesn't step on the toes of, uh, women who are used to being infantilized. Yeah. I think that like a good general rule is just, if you're trying to communicate that, that level of sort of like special attention in a, in a friendly way, just be present during that customer interaction smile make eye contact and be yourself and be attuned to like how are they responding to you um and just be attentive to their need because you know that's when you when you show up at like a restaurant you, you know and you're getting served food that's the experience you want you want to have the experience of kind of being taken care of so maybe there maybe there is a more creative way to do it but my instinct is just be sweet, be warm, mm. be attentive to their needs. And Notice be whatever kind of energy they're coming in with. Like maybe you look excited to eat this. Are you stoked for this meal? <laughs> I, don't, I don't love that. <laughs> I, I thought you're, I like to where you're going in terms of like noticing their energy, but then maybe you just kind of so you mirror it in your body. <laughs> Um, what are you gonna do with this foot long huh? darling you, do? you put it in your mouth <laughs> you're gonna chew on it swallow yeah. it too probably huh? um did i stuff it too full of meat <laughs> um okay if the person comes in sweaty 
you might Start say, is it, is it hot out there? Is it hot out there? Is it hot out there? What? Or is it just, just you? Noticing <laughs> the, the mood that they're coming in with. Um, or ask them, how are you? Yeah, asking let how them, are you? I think like the theme that I'm trying to communicate is like, let them direct how deeply they feel like interacting with you. Let them mm-hmm. set the tone. Let them show you what kind of interactions they're comfortable with and open having. If they've made some kind of choice about their appearance today, you could compliment them on that choice. Say that there's a ruby brooch on their blazer lapel. You could say, nice brooch. <laughs> nice brooch, bitch. <laughs> no, I... Well, could be bro. Yeah, brooch, bro. He's a brooch bro. I'm a brooch bro. <laughs> Got to keep my uniform strict while I work at Subway, but normally I'm a brooch bro. Covered in brooches. <laughs> I've got a brooch infestation. <laughs> it would. <laughs> what? It would take nuclear holocaust to kill all these brooches. <laughs> okay. Um, That's bad small talk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, I, once again, we nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. You're welcome. Um, I want to slip in one, one more question. Yeah, let's do it. Slip it right in. Dangerous Cloud 80 Ooh. says, how can I become more empathetic? Hmm. I've always been rather unempathetic and I'm not quite sure why. It's not like I'm super rich or spoiled or privileged or any of that. I just find it hard to feel for people, be it the poor, the weak. Those with disabilities, those who had traumatic incidents happen to them. I've always lacked the ability to feel for people, even if I try to. I'm so much more a suck it up and get your shit together person. And many a time I have to pretend to be concerned and listen to people talk about their problems. And while others seem to genuinely empathize, I'm just really indifferent. Friends, family, everyone seems to have more empathy than me. And I don't understand why. Is anyone else here in such a situation? How do I fix this? Okay. I like this question too. I, I love that it's just like, you know, it's it's vulnerable in mm-hmm. a way, even though maybe maybe this person doesn't have that much access to their vulnerability potentially. I can, I can empathize with this. Yeah. There are sometimes when I'm just like, why, does, why do other people care about this? I'm not going to look like an asshole right now and just seem really cold, but... There are times when I just don't care, and you're just aware that you're pretending. Yeah, yeah. Or I'm I'm just or being silent, and just, <laughs> just yeah, sitting there. Yeah. Um. So, I I would want to invite you to explore. Um, was there ever a time where you were going through something and someone empathized with you in a really profound way, in a way that impacted you, in a way that made you feel really felt? Or seen or heard um, and feeling into can you see the value in providing that experience for someone else um, maybe you don't have this but I think that I think that there is I would argue that it's fairly universal to at different points in our life at least in some moments to at least want to be understood or at least want to feel like the other person that we're talking to is 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 even like listening to the words we're saying. It's a very mm-hmm. basic experience. Like, you know, for for the way that we handle this question, I think that, you know, you're not posting this question because you want people to respond 
with like, well, fuck you, who cares? Mm -hmm. Like feel into your desire desires when when you're sharing information and and maybe sharing a challenge that you're having like this one and what kind of advice or what kind of presence would you want your listener to have and then that can kind of clue you into what can I what can I try to offer in a way that feels authentic because I think that's what's hard about this is like yeah you can as you as you stated like you can kind of fake it or be half there, but in your head be like thinking like, well, I don't really care about this. Um, but I think that for you to find a way to empathize with people that, that maybe is more authentic to you, that'll feel a little bit better and it'll probably feel better to them too. Because my sense is that on some level, when someone's not really listening to you and isn't really like present and tuned into what you're saying we can feel it on some mm -hmm. energetic level and some people are more and less sensitive um maybe we should start by defining empathy because uh, based on the art of empathy there's not really one accepted definition that everybody totally. agrees in uh, on in psychology yeah. what's your definition people, i think people tend to use it um to mean to catch the feeling that the other person is having to like share that mm. the internal experience of someone's sad you may not cry with them but you like start talking softer and slow down and like behave in a way that is sadder i think is generally probably what this person is talking about for empathizing is like somebody's sad other people are saying oh and like petting them or um uh, saying i know i, I understand um that's really hard. And this person doesn't feel that way. Um, it's also empathizing though, when somebody's excited and goes for a high five and you high five them and you smile because they're smiling and they start laughing and dancing and you do that too. Maybe that's um, something that you've experienced in a sports situation. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be the, uh, what people will call negative emotions or painful emotions to, uh, to empathize. Um, I think if you watch movies and you see a main character who's scared and you get scared because of the look on their face, that's empathizing. Actors are trained to make people empathize with them. So you probably do empathize some. My guess is that there are certain emotions that the less you feel yourself and express openly, uh, admit to yourself and express to other people, that those are going to be the ones that are tough for you to uh, empathize with on other people. Hmm. Um you may not recognize them or just have recent experience of that where you uh, maybe you don't allow yourself much self-pity. And um, so when other people are doing that, you perhaps respond more with anger in those situations or uh, numbness. Mm -hmm. um, and it might not, it might just seem like a, a flaw in them to you. So I think identifying your own emotions more, um, seeing what they feel like challenging yourself to feel them um, is going to help you to empathize with other people. Yeah. Yeah. You covered so many great things. I'm like, I'm trying to think like, where can, where should I even start? Um, but yeah, I think, I think deciding for you, what is your definition of empathy and fulfilling that and not feeling maybe a pressure to go so above and beyond because someone else's emotions are just 
kind of they they feel them more deeply and they express them outwardly more um, vibrantly. That doesn't mean that you have to do it that way. I think empathy can just be you communicating that you're trying to understand or kind of being maybe in less of a physical than a less of a physical way than I'm doing right now, but being the container for that conversation or that sharing to happen. Um, and some of it can be too course, cor- being willing to course correct along the way. Like, let's say that, you know, you, uh, do something that you're, you're, you think is empathetic when someone's sharing like a sad story and you, you try to be sad with them or, um, listen or make a suggestion. And then if you kind of notice, notice how they respond. And if you get the sense that they've kind of pulled away or their facial expression seems confused, or there's just something that that's a slight disconnection, you could use that opportunity to go, I'm sorry, what do you really need right now? How, how, how would you like me to respond? And you can actually mine for that data with Mm. people. As long as the energy is coming from a place of, I'm really genuinely trying to understand the feeling that you're having. Mm -hmm. Like, so I volunteer on the suicide crisis lines and so often I can't hear someone or sometimes someone tells me this thing happened to me and, you know, we're trained to basically craft an empathy statement. Um, and sometimes I get it wrong. Like sometimes you go, oh, wow, like that must have been really painful. And they're like, actually, it was frustrating. Mm-hmm. And there's that moment where you're kind of like, oh, shit, I like fucked up. And like, oh, no, this is going to be bad. I'm so sorry. Like, tell me more about why it was frustrating to you. And like just sometimes that that earnest effort to correct a misresponse or what their perception of a misresponse is can come off as like, oh, OK, this person really is just attempting to maintain a connection with me or attempting to understand me and listen to me better. And, you know, if I can't hear something that someone says, for example, I say, hey, you know, I'm really sorry, but could you repeat that? I really want to make sure I understand every word that you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's always about the way that you're saying it. Right. Yeah. So the way, if you want to break that down, is often like the pace of speech, mirroring somebody's body language. If uh, their shoulders are back and open, you do that too. If they're like hunched, get down low to their level. Um, Just being at the right eye level of somebody, if they're sitting down and you're standing above them, they're not going to feel connected to you. So like being at the same general position as them, um, all of those things will help you like form a connection you're trying to um, feel some approximation, something like that resembles what they feel. You haven't just gone through exactly what they yeah. went through, but you can match their body, their volume, their pace uh, to help help you um, get as close to their headspace, their their body feeling as possible. Um, one other thing that I want to say that is mm-hmm. I'm realizing now, like, wow, this is so important. It's something I used to think about and talk about all the time um, is the difference between sympathy and empathy. Um, And so sympathy is a a bit of sort of a like, no, no, Um, because sympathy is really like, oh, poor you. You're in this situation. That's like, 
oh, what a shame. It's kind of you coming down from, from where you are. Oh, I'm not in this situation. And I just feel so sad for you. And it's creating this like sort of distance between the two of you like oh I would hate to be in your position kind of thing it 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 creates that separation and draws attention to the fact that you're over here having this experience and I'm over here having a different experience um and it's kind of also like synonymous with like pitying and and that sort of thing but empathy is an attempt to really like level that and be there with them you don't like Rob was saying you don't have to feel exactly the feeling that they're having, but just making that attempt to be with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and whether it's through trying to understand it, asking questions, listening, or, you know, it could be something as simple as just reaching out and touching them. If that's the kind of relationship that you have with them, it totally context dependent. Three uh, fingers on my forearm. Yeah. And you can approach, you can approach with caution too, Mm -hmm. and just see how they respond. But yeah, it's, it's, it's that attempt to show them that you're, um, just showing them that you care and showing them that you are trying, even if you're not feeling it, even if honestly, even if you don't care, you can still make a display to some extent of trying to care Mm-hmm. Um, that can be appreciated. It's possible that you're in a situation where uh, more empathic engagement is being asked of you than you have the energy for, or mm. you have too many stressors and um, this is just something that like you have a, a high stress job or you're in some situation where there's other things that seem more important. And then I think it, it's also important to be able to tell people to communicate to them that I uh, can't be your support right now. You don't always have to be empathic with people. And maybe you're in a, some social environment that people are demanding more of you than you have the energy for. Nobody is a limitless, um, just however many people have as many feelings and, and come along. Um, it's also important to take care of yourself and uh, be able to remain grounded and um, energized and you do have a limit. So I just I want to point that out that don't expect that like a, a functioning empathic person can just do this forever without breaks and without uh, taking time to recharge themselves and ask, okay, how am I feeling? Not as a reaction to anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it It's, it's limited and it's also a skill that you can learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's some, it's definitely something that some people come by more naturally to some extent or their upbringing draws it out of them or helps them to develop it more. And then you find yourself as an adult um, more naturally gravitating towards roles where you play, you know, an, an empath to someone or you a sounding board to someone or or just, you know, maybe you have a, you find yourself in a situation or job, a, an environment, a friend group where you that's just not the norm. Um and so I think just being aware too of like, there's such a spectrum of how you can be appropriately empathetic, um, what types of interactions are the norm to engage in. Um, one last thing that I want to say, uh, because you mentioned this specifically in the post about the the attitude that you often have is, you know, kind of suck it up and move on when someone uh, is expressing a problem to you. 
And along the lines of what Rob said early, earlier, way earlier, way earlier, <laughs> like so long ago, um, is that perhaps your connection to your own emotions is somewhat uninvestigated. And maybe if this type of messaging of like, suck it up, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, all that stuff. If that's the kind of messaging that you got in all likelihood, when, when you attempted to express a problem early on, that's going to be your go-to strategy. Um, mm. And that's going to be your go-to attitude. And, and anything that is a departure from that might feel really uncomfortable or unnatural or like, why would I even bother giving my attention to this? And so when you notice yourself falling into that script, say, just observe it mm -hmm. and observe your resistance to really being in the problem or being in the emotion. And my guess is that there's going to be a lot of layers to it. It could be like, why would I even do that? Like, that's stupid. And then you might get mad and then you might feel nothing and then you might feel sad. And it's, 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 it's almost like we, you can watch yourself when you get good at this, like burrow deeply through kind of all these different layers on top of just being with the feeling at its core. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, and that's a lifelong it's a lifelong practice and discipline to like be with your own emotions long enough to get to like, ah, here's the meat of this. Mm -hmm. But it's, I mean, and speaking personally in my own life, I mean, it's saved me. It's, it's been an incredibly valuable and profound way to just be with myself um, is to just try to meet every layer of that emotional reaction all the way down with a kind of, kindness and curiosity so even if you can't muster empathy see if you can muster curiosity see if you can muster okay just how can i be kind given that given that maybe i don't care that much or given that you know i can't get on the same page with this person how can i cultivate kindness mm -hmm. how can i cultivate just curiosity um do you remember the yeah. sixth uh step of something engagement like empathic engagement attuned engagement that Carla McLaren had no no absolutely not it was something some type of engagement mm -hmm. um, that is is the goal of it of her empathic process um, I'm forgetting now so maybe I'll was there something like general about it that you feel like is worth saying um, yeah just that uh, it's not always saying anything it's that there's not a, a single response it's not it, like the uh the platinum rule is treating the person the way that they would want to be treated rather than just how you'd like to be treated or how you're used to being treated in that situation which can be tough to figure out and it requires these sub skills of like identifying emotions uh in yourself in others um expressing them uh knowing the words for them uh or being willing to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry. I, I don't remember the exact term. but Don't be sorry. <laughs> well, I, I am sorry. So just let yeah. me be sorry. Oh, okay. So be sorry. Thank you. Um, I, you're also definitely not alone in this um, difficulty. Most cultures, most families have certain emotions that... Uh, 
are shamed or are uh, unallowable, acceptable yeah. and unacceptable emotions. And um, sounds like sadness is one that is uh, not that tolerated for you. Uh, when other people are doing it, it doesn't make sense sometimes, or you just want to tell them to suck it up. Um, that's common and it can be overcome. Yeah. A lot of times it's the ones that are just uncomfortable to feel. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And that there's, you can't like rush yourself past that. Life is, life is full of pain and discomfort and a whole rainbow of other things. But I tend to think probably out of necessity of just, I've dealt with a lot of like sadness in my life. Um, the joy can be sweeter when you let yourself experience the darker, bluer, grayer moments. Mm -hmm. The yellow looks brighter in contrast. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 60 of the Free Advice wow. Podcast. Wow. 60's out. Yep. We're Slick. now in the 60s. Slid right in. And um, what do you think we should call this one, Morgan? Hmm. I have no fucking clue. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I rarely do. We'll, we'll listen back and we'll figure it out. Um, We've got some good themes to toy with. We've got some good motifs. We do. We do. Darling. That's a word that stands out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how can people get in touch with us if they want to ask us questions? If you want to ask us questions or respond to any of the things that we said on the podcast, uh -huh. um, or if you're a uh, advisee and we've given you advice, we would love to know, um, did you try any of our advice? How did it go? Was there a facet of the problem that we didn't talk about that you want to share with us? Mm -hmm. Any of the above, you can write to us at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com and we will get back to you. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you for listening and um, sleep tight in there. <laughs> so tight. All right, bye. Bye. -bye.